Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine, on sale now. From the dirt tracks across Australia, welcome to Inside Speedway with Dennis Newman and Craig Revelle. Hello and welcome to Inside Speedway for another week as Dennis Newland continues to prepare Speedway Classics magazines for you, which will be on sale very soon. I'll take you through this week's show, which which features John Dennehy from Legend Cars Australia. So we're looking forward to hearing more about Legend Cars and how they are continuing on going from strength to strength. But this weekend, we do have an exciting kickoff to the Speedway Grand Prix as Bartos Marslik will defend his SGP title. Now, there has been a few changes as they get set to go racing tomorrow, which will be a Friday night in Poland. And that is that there will now be the biggest reward for a final with every Speedway Grand Prix winner guaranteed 20 championship points. There will be 18 on offer for second place, 16 for third and 14 for fourth place. So reaching the semifinals ensures a rider will go home with at least nine points. Third place in the semifinal who scores the most race points in their five heats will earn 12 points, whilst the other third-place finisher will be awarded 11. Fourth place in a semi-final, if you score the most points, you get 10, and if you are the fourth finisher with the lowest amount of points, you get just the nine points. But that is a huge, huge addition to the normal three, two, and one that you receive for semifinals and for finals last year. So if a rider is excluded or fails to finish their semifinal, they will be ranked lower than the third or fourth place finisher who does not complete their race. So if both third and fourth place riders fail to finish, they'll be ranked according to how many race points they've scored in the heats. So you could see a rider score a 15-point maximum in the heats and still end up winning the ninth with nine championship points if they break down in the semis. But if you've gone maximum points and then win the final, uh, well, win the heat and the final, you're getting up to about 35 points in a race weekend. So that is a huge bonus and it's going to make this year's Grand Prix uh, series even more interesting. Now, we're looking at racing, as I said, kicking off uh, what would be Saturday, early Saturday morning in Poland with the first of two race weekends in Poland to start the season with both Brocklau events on the 28th and 29th. They go to Gorzo in the 11th and 12th, then Prague, then on to Turin. So you've got, what's that, uh, six, eight round championship. So for 2020 with everything wrapped up very quickly on the 3rd of October. 
So can Jason Doyle, who is um, looking pretty good in his racing at the moment, do the job here? And remembering we have Max Frick qualified as well. So we'll see how the Australians will fare and will keep up with their progress throughout the 2020 season. And we're looking forward to it as well. Well, after the break, it's Brian Dennehy from Legend Cars Australia. Inside Speedway is available on sportsradio.com.au, iTunes, Spotify, and the dirttrackchannel.com. Well, this week on Inside Speedway, we're joined by John Dennehy from Legend Cars Australia. John, COVID is uh, certainly making a challenging time for all sorts of sports and particularly Speedway. Uh, yes, it certainly is. So we were scheduled to start mid-October at Valvoline in Sydney, but um, that's not going to happen and it's indefinitely on hold currently. And we are still waiting to hear from other tracks at the moment. So it is the uncertainty is um, is difficult, but I guess it's the same for everybody at the moment. What what was it that drew you to bringing Legend Cars to Australia? Uh, well, actually, I didn't. Originally, Legend Cars started off way back in the Thunderdome um, with Bob Jane. They had about 15 cars in the country and... They were growing, and of course, when the Thunderdome fell over, so did Legend Cars. And then back in about 2009, 2010, Brett Morris, who was looking after Sydney Speedway at the time, he brought the Legend Cars into the country, and I bought one, and I drove one. And then I went to Brett and said, you know, let's get them out of Sydney and to other parts of New South Wales, ACT, which we did. And jokingly, one day, Brett said to me, well, you're doing a really good job, um, you know, buy me out. And I said, well, name me a figure and I'll look at it, which I did. And that's about seven years ago now. And, um, yeah, we've grown from about 30 cars back then um, to, you know, we got 50, 60 cars now on, on the dirt. And also we're on the asphalt as well because we can swap our cars in two hours. Uh, from dirt to asphalt or back, so the guys can race 12 months a year. And do you still have links with the United States and the legend cars over there? Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, you know, it is the – the car is the same worldwide, and, um, yeah, we still run under their banner uh, with their rules in general. Uh, we do have to change some stuff for Australia, and we brought some of our own safety measures in here in Australia also. But anything we do, we work very tightly with US Legend Cars, and um, yeah, they're fantastic. And we also have a really good affiliation with Asia now, and we did have a lot of drivers go up in a little asphalt oval last year. There was um, a handful of, there were six or seven of our drivers went up and raced in Malaysia last year as well, which was very exciting. And um, each year, uh, we got a handful of guys normally go over for the US Nationals, both on dirt and on asphalt. And that's not going to happen this year, obviously, with the restrictions, unfortunately. Now, it's been interesting to see the way people have really taken to it. And we're seeing a lot of second and third generation Speedway people 
getting into the legend cars and finding it's a, a great category for them to enjoy racing whilst not, I guess, having to spend the money that you'd see in, in other divisions of Speedway. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, there is a lot of people that have been out of Speedway for a long time come back. Um, it's also a very good stepping stone for younger drivers, um, you know, to come up from go-karts. It's sort of the next step up, whether it be dirt track racing or asphalt racing. And yeah, it is. Everything is off the shelf that you buy. And, you know, we've had a few issues the last couple of years in particular with the uh, with the dollar, the US dollar is sort of not favorable at the moment, but we are working with US Legend Cars to um, to get better ways and to get better value for money. But it is still very, very affordable. And underneath the skin, even though the cars are different shapes, underneath the skin, they're all exactly the same. So, you know, anybody has got a chance on any given night, they've got the same equipment. And that's been one of the successes, hasn't it? That with all the running gear standardized, we're looking at the best driver and the best, well, the best mechanics for setting it up, not who's got the biggest wallet for straight line handling. Yeah, definitely. You know, as we say, it's not checkbook racing. Um, the only thing your checkbook, a bigger checkbook will get you is probably a nicer set of wheels or, um, you know, a better paint job. But it's, um, yeah, it is. Underneath the skin, it's great. And um, that's why a lot of people have been attracted to our category. Some people don't like that, that that it's very restrictive. They like to be able to make their own parts and do their own stuff in their backyard, which is fine. They go along and they go into some other category. But uh, so what it is, a spec class, it, it is very, very affordable. And I think what people are enjoying is the numbers that are attending each and every race meeting, no matter where it is uh, in Australia. You've been getting fantastic car counts, which one, the promoter loves, and two, the competitors get to challenge themselves. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we are growing in Queensland and we are growing in WA. It, it has been slow growth. It is hard to break into new markets as such. Um, but, um, yeah, we definitely have had good numbers. And uh, we have a lot of new people coming through. Uh, we had a period there where a lot of our drivers did move on, but we did see that as a huge plus. You know, a lot of drivers went into speed cars, sprint cars, few went into late models and have been very successful. And that gives us a lot of joy. And, you know, we're very proud to walk down the pits and see so many guys that did start out in legend cars and now stepping up to, you know, bigger classes, which is which is tremendous to see as well. And that's a real selling point for us because the cars are difficult to drive. They're a short wheelbase. Uh, they're quite snappy. They've got a lot of power and they haven't got a lot of grip. Um, so it's a real good uh, training ground for young drivers in particular to, to learn the skills. You have got uh, a calendar that's fluid. How have you managed the COVID-19 shutdown and has the response from competitors been strong that the sport and legend cars isn't going to lose many competitors because there could be a break in racing? Look, uh, there has been frustration. I mean, it's been the off-season for the dirt, which has been good. Uh, there has been a, a bit of frustration, both from competitors and from us, 
in regards to um, the asphalt racing because, you know, we had some interstate rounds that have been cancelled and some local rounds as well. So it has been a very, very frustrating year. So, you know, a lot of the asphalt guys have passed the cars up for the year and said, look, it's a write-off. Let's get going again next year. So, you know, hopefully everybody can keep their jobs and keep their cash flow and can afford to race after this period but it's it's going to be difficult for you know for every category i guess not only legend cars um moving forward to keep that continuity going so we can only you know keep our fingers crossed that things um won't get too much worse mm. now uh, did you get heavily involved in e-racing whilst uh, the uh, racing was on hiatus uh, look, we didn't get heavily involved. Uh, Speedway Australia did have a program, which um, they were fantastic, which had legend cars. And there was some stuff on the asphalt as well, which was coming mainly through Europe that some of our drivers were involved with as well. Um, so we didn't get heavily involved in it, but we certainly did get involved, yes. Mm. And uh, looking at what you're hoping for a season up ahead. Uh, Archerfield was marked down to have the Australian title. I I imagine that if Archerfield can get racing, then it'll still be there, or are you going to have to adjust things because some people can't travel? Yeah, well, if people can't travel and there's borders closed, well, then it wouldn't be fair to have an Australian title if everybody can attend. Um so we're going to have to, you know, we're going to have to make that decision much closer to the event. But if it's going to be an Australian title where it's only Queenslanders, well, then it won't be an Australian title. So we'll have to see as we get closer uh, where that one shakes out. Now, what I'm also interested to find out from you is you're based in Goulburn, one of the uh, great regional success stories of motorsport. <laughs> yes, um, well, I lived in a little village called Bangandore and still do, which is east of Canberra on the way to Batemans Bay. And yeah, about four and a half years ago, we decided that the freight was becoming an issue. So we looked at a lot of areas and Goulburn was fantastic because guys, we had a lot of drivers and still have down the Southern Highlands down in Picton, Camden area, Campbelltown, which really is just over an hour from um, Golden. And also we got the freight. Uh, so you got the freight run straight Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, um, straight through Golden basically. So it was a no-brainer to go to Golden. Uh, we also got three racetracks. So you got Maroolan Driver Training Centre, which we do some racing at. You got Wakefield Park and we've got the Speedway. And, you know, you're only an hour, you know, we're less than two hours to Sydney Speedway. You're an hour and a half to Nara. It's, you're an hour to Canberra. So it's a very central area. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been a great success going to Goulburn. And it's, it's raised our profile as well uh, with other racers and racetracks. A lot of people come to our shop from different categories you know, to buy, whether it be gloves or balaclavas or whatever it is. And, you know, it's all the one percenters matter when you're trying to put yourself out there and get known. Yeah. And the last couple of years, some great support from Norellum Powder Coating. How did they come on board? 
Yeah, well, um, Trevor actually bought a car, the uh, Trevor Stark that owns Norellan Powder Coating. And he bought a car and, um, yeah, he just said, look, is it up for uh, renewal? When it's up for renewal, the um, Visor sponsorship, which is our main sponsor. And he said, I'd be interested. So we sat down and we talked. And, um, yeah, so he's been on the car now for the last 12 months. And for the next 12 months as well, he's going to be on the car. Before that, we had had Tamo Rural Services before that. And on the asphalt, then we've got um, we've got another major sponsor, um, which which is different. So we try and keep them separate as much as possible. So um, so yeah, so Trevor's been tremendous, and it's given him an opportunity to put his brand out there as well. Because virtually every photo that's taken, um, you know, they're going to have the front of the car, which is great, and it looks good. Mm. Now, the body kits that we see racing on the speedway, uh, they're sort of a, a throwback to a bygone era. They've got a real uh, sense about them in the way that they're designed. Is there any appetite to maybe go to some of the more modern designs we see over in the States? Um, look, uh, the Aussie race cars have gone that way. When the Aussie race cars started, when Phil Ward had the series initially, he virtually copied the legend cars and had the old style bodies. And obviously, through time, they've gone through all the um, late model cars with Falcons, Commodores, Toyotas, Mustangs, all that sort of stuff. Um, we will be guided by US legend cars in that one because in the asphalt especially, um, you do have an advantage with a more modern slick body and you know, the uh, parity that we have with the cars probably would be a problem. So in the foreseeable future, we definitely will be sticking to what we got. But who knows what's going to happen in, in the future. But we are guided by US legend cars. It, I explain to people it's like a McDonald's franchise. Um, you know, whatever McDonald's gives all the franchisee, that's what they have to run with. That's what they have to sell, and we're in the exact same boat. Mm. And yeah, I guess it means that people don't have to go and upgrade regularly to keep themselves in competition if you've got that consistency over a long period of time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look, it's been 27 years now that US Legend Cars have been making these cars. They've built nearly 7,000 cars in that period, and they've changed very, very little. And um, there is a couple of major changes. I have been a couple of major changes in the last 18 months. They have upgraded the engine because the air-cooled engine is difficult to get now. Um, even, you know, second-hand auto bikes and stuff. So they have upgraded their engine uh, to a FZ09 Yamaha water-cooled engine. Uh, we haven't gone down that path at this stage because, um, number one, because of the dollar and the cost. But number two, they had a lot of teething problems with the new engine, which now they're getting to the point where all that is armed out. Uh, We've given our guys on the dirt uh, three to five years that we're going to leave the engines that we've got. And we will most likely look in the near future of upgrading the asphalt cars to water cools. If they choose, they can still run the old engine competitively. Uh, But then that gives them somewhere to sell 
the current engines, the air-cooled engines, back to the guys that are running the dirt. So it, it's a win-win for both. Mm. And it's good that you can give them such assuredness over a long period of time. It helps with people budgeting and finance as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, if it wasn't for the American dollar, I know when I took over from Brett Morris, we were getting a dollar seven, uh, you know, for an Australian dollar. And now we're lucky to get 70 cents. And, um, you know, it, it's been difficult to, um, you know, to keep that happy medium between keeping the category going, keeping it affordable. But as I said, we are looking at different ways now for with US legend cars. Obviously, engines come out of Japan, go to America, then come to us. So we are looking at it being a lot more streamlined for engines and other componentry for the cars as well in the future so that negotiation is going on at the moment and US legend cars are very understanding of our situation and it's not only us it's right through Asia obviously it doesn't make sense to send things to America and then get them back so we're working through that at the moment to try and make it a lot more affordable and accessible Mm. Now being in New South Wales, what's the proposed new speedway going to be able to do for legend cars do you think in that area? Um, look, I think it's obviously going to give us a lot. You know, we all we don't know major details at the moment, but from what everybody is saying, it means that you can run more than probably one night a week. Um, so it's probably going to give guys more track time. Uh, the problem with Speedway, not only in Sydney but all over the country, is you know you buy a car and you're straight in the deep end, and it can be very disheartening to a lot of competitors. Um, so, you know, hopefully there's going to be practice nights, which we can have then common tries where guys can come into our cars, get a day license and have a run. And that, that's going to be fantastic for us to build a category because once you get people in the cars and you can explain to them, it's so different than them coming to your shop and just asking about them. You know, so I think that's going to be the biggest thing that we can run more racing we have more racing and we have more practice slash common try nights um which is going to be a huge help we did have one last year john kelly up in brisbane was fantastic at archerfield we hired a track for a night and we got a lot of people through and a couple of those people that come through ended up buying cars and that's very important for for our category uh, to have that accessibility to a track to get people in the seat well, it's been going great guns, particularly in New South Wales. And I know the, the track championships in Sydney and Goulburn last year were um, highly, highly fought. So we're looking forward to a big season once we know what that season looks like in 2021. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, we are working as well at the moment with our um Asian counterparts and Ben in particular up in Malaysia and Singapore. We're actually looking at having a street race in Singapore when all of this COVID goes away. (laughs) And um, that's going to be very, very exciting for some of our competitors. As I said, you know, they've had a chance to race in Europe. Some of them raced in Malaysia last year. We've got an open invite to go to Japan. They race in America. We can really go anywhere in the world and race exactly the same car 
which there's not too many categories you can do that and an unfoldable cost. And, you know, we've taken guys over that have won our championships and we fully funded that. And um, that's, again, another selling point for us um, to say, look, you know, you can you can win here and then you can go to any of these countries and you can race mm. and, and have a good time. Well, John Dennehy from Legend Cars Australia, thanks very much for giving us your time here on Inside Speedway. Much appreciated. Thank you so much. Well, the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis 500, was won last weekend. And as we wrap up the racing, I did say in Inside Motorsport this week, the greatest spectacle in motor racing was completed without a spectator to uh, see the spectacle. But it was interesting to see uh, Takuma Sato picking up his second 500 victory in what was a, well, a rare or oh, a yellow flag finish to the race. Number of drivers were thinking that it was unusual to not have a green white checkered finish after a heavy incident at the end of the race. But um, I've seen commentary, particularly from the United States, saying uh, they didn't think Sato would have been beaten anyway. So did it matter that they didn't go to having a green finish? Um, let's face it. The green-white checker finishes for the crowd. And if there's no crowd there, you have to wonder why you'd extend the race for another potentially three or more laps uh, to just have that finish. Not the first time the Indy 500's finished under yellow either. So congratulations to Takuma, Takuma Sato. He did speak to NBC following the event. This is unbelievable. Thank you so much. I can't find a lot. I'll find a watch. How did you hold Scott Dixon back, Taku, uh, who had the best car all day long? Yes, we did. I think we did. And um, obviously, we, uh, we lapped short from Dixie. And we knew um, in terms of the fuel strategy was a little tight. I couldn't use the max power, so I had to switch back and forth. And Scott was coming right through out of turn four. <laughs> He's screaming coming and yeah. I was just held off. So thank you so much. Our thanks to NBC for the audio there. That's it for another week on Inside Speedway. Thanks very much for joining us. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Tune in next week for more on Inside Speedway. Inside Speedway is produced by Thunder Media. Any reproduction, accounts, or descriptions of the program without written permission from Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine, on sale now.